0: hello and welcome to this sustainable wine podcast this is a recording of a conference session that took place on the second or third of june 2021 as part of sustainable wines future of wine americas conference 2021 we'd very much like to thank the sponsors of that conference bsi bodega argento jackson family wines international wineries for climate action and avena thank you to all of those groups for their important support and i hope you enjoy the session Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us for this workshop. Good evening from where I am. Good morning to the West Coast of America. Uh, my name is Toby Webb. I'm the co-founder of Sustainable Wine. Um, I've been working with my colleague, Tom Outram on this event and on the conference that we have, which starts tomorrow and the next day. Really like to thank uh, Julien uh, and, and the fo- folks at Jackson and, and Torres for supporting this workshop supporting our work Um, and um, we're delighted if we could uh, go on mute please by the way everyone if we're not speaking we could have everybody on mute that would be great so um, yeah we're delighted that uh, we're able to to work with with Jackson and Torres uh, and a number of others to support this event Uh, and we're, we're delighted that we're going to have a very deep dive today into the work the great work being done by International Wineries for Climate Action uh, on this top, really important topic of measuring GHGs and taking effective and, and collaborative climate action, uh, which, of course, is so important. So in a minute, I shall hand over to, to Julien, uh, who will sort of emcee and, and chair the session. We'll have a few slides, um, and those will be available afterwards along with the audio recording, which will take some time, Uh, a few days a week or two to get onto our website but it will be there and it will also be there on our podcast channel so go to your podcast app search for sustainable wine sign up and you'll get everything automatically at least in audio Uh, and uh, we will then provide the powerpoints as uh, as permitted so um, I'm still missing a few people here but I think I'll just let them in as we go Julianne, why don't you uh, maybe just uh, pull up the agenda and let's just see uh, what we're going to cover briefly thank you so uh, as you can see from the agenda we've sent out and what we have here i'm not going to read all of this out but we have a high level uh, first up session um and then something a lot more practical uh, and then we can talk further about how your organizations could work with iwca and have a QA session so we're looking forward to a very pragmatic session and there'll be time to ask questions um i think you in the questions session you can either raise your hand and julienne will bring you in or we can use the chat function Let's see how much time we have. If we are short on time, the chat function is the better option. Um, And if we have a bit of time, then bringing people in on video is always nice to see their faces. So we'll see how that goes uh, throughout the session. I'm just missing a few more folks. So we've got quite a few in the meeting now, 37 of us. Welcome to those who have just arrived. We're just running through, as you can see on the screen, what we're going to tackle. uh, And that's all fairly uh, self-explanatory from the text. So I will now hand over to Julienne, Gervreau from Jackson Family uh, to explain <coughs> to lead the first session and through the others. So, welcome to everybody. Thanks to Julien and welcome uh, and over to you, Julian.
1: Thank you, Toby. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Julien Gervreau. I'm the Vice President of Sustainability for Jackson Family Wines and a founding board member uh, of IWCA. So, um, you all are going to be seeing uh, my face and hearing my voice a fair amount throughout the course of today's proceedings. As Toby mentioned, we have three sessions set up uh, over the course of this three hour workshop, as you can see on the screen here. Uh, And I am uh, delighted to introduce the first session, uh, which is really a feature of, uh, it's a leadership panel featuring uh, three IWCA uh, members and executives uh, within the industry uh, globally in Spain, California, and uh, Chile and Argentina. We're really leading um, climate efforts and sustainability efforts in their respective uh, regions and their respective countries. And um, uh, by way of introduction, um, I want to just give a brief backgrounds on each of the three speakers and then I'm going to share a few slides about IWCA and, and the importance of the work that we are doing. And then we'll get into a moderated discussion uh, between uh, Miguel Torres, Beth Novak-Milliken and Barbara wolf So. Uh, Jumping in, uh, Miguel Torres is fourth generation and president of Familia Torres, which is one of the leading family-owned wineries in Spain, founded in 1870, so it's now in its 151st year. Torres has their main winery in uh, Villafranca de Penedés, which is about an hour south of Barcelona, and uh, also maintains vineyards and wineries in other top Spanish wine regions such as Rioja, Ribera del Duero, Rueda, and Rios Baixas plus wineries in Chile and California. Miguel's commitment to ecology and his concern for climate change led him to create in 2008, the Torres and Earth Environmental Program, which has the aim of reducing emissions and adapting to the new climate scenario. Together in uh, 2019 with the Jackson family, um, Miguel was the co-founder of IWCA. So welcome Miguel. And our second panelist is Beth Novak-Milliken, who's the second generation president and president CEO of Spotswood in the Napa Valley, which is a 45 acre wine growing estate located in St. Helena and has been owned by the Novak family since 1972. They were an early adopter of organic farming practices in 1985 and became CCOF certified in 1992. Um, the Spotswood commitment to the health of the natural environment is deep and is captured in the company's core purpose, which reads, grounded in stewardship, we believe the affecting meaningful change, we believe in affecting meaningful change through nurturing our vineyards, community, and planet. And Beth and Spotswood were one of the original six members of IWCA, and we thank Beth for her longstanding support and guidance as we move forward. And our third panelist panelist is Barbara Wolf Gottford, who's the chief. Uh, Corporate Affairs and Innovation Officer at BSPT Wine Group. BSPT is the second largest wine producer in Chile and a top 10 producer from Argentina. The group is formed by eight different wineries between two sides of the Andes Mountains in South America. BSPT dates back to 1865, so they've got Torres folks beat by near five years um, and are driven by excellence and committed to producing wines in the most comprehensive and sustainable possible uh, in Barbara's words, quote, sustainability has been one of my greatest passions at ESPT. I was given the honor to start this green and beautiful journey 13 years ago, which has resulted in a stronger and better prepared organization for the future. And she looks forward to sharing and learning as we move forward. So for those of you um, who are, are unaware, although I assume the vast majority of, uh, of the group here, uh, the audience here is, is pretty well-versed in understanding of some of the climate uh, issues that we are facing um, on a planet. I did want to share just a few high-level statistics as as really an overarching overview um, of a primer for this uh, discussion. Um, Some of the latest data um, globally is that the earth is at its highest concentration of atmospheric CO2 um, in human history. I believe is. As of the end of May, um, we we're at or around uh, 420 parts per million, which is literally the highest um, it's ever it's ever been, and it's uh, projected to continue to climb. Um, and obviously, um, for those of you who study it and those who don't, CO2 and global temperature rise are inextricably linked. So as parts per million of CO2 increase, so does global temperature. And at the rate that we're headed, uh, we're projected to hit about two Celsius Uh, two degrees Celsius of warming by 2063, which um, surpasses the 1.5 Celsius target by 2050 that have been established by the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change.
0: So we're literally and
1: figuratively in a race against time. Um, Many of us who work in the wine industry really see this industry as a canary in the coal mine, as it were. Um, And uh, we are seeing that our, our grapes and our vines are increasingly sensitive to climate impacts. We're already starting to see some early climate impacts um, that are being felt globally. Things like late season heat spikes, uh, early season rain and hail events and uh, significant water availabilities in any of the Mediterranean climates in which we grow grapes. So really the time to act is now and that was uh, a driving factor behind uh, our formation of IWCA in 2019. So I wanna spend a little bit of time uh, before we get into the moderated discussion providing the audience with a little bit of background on IWCA. Um, and as you can see in this slide here, IWCA's mission, purpose, goal, it's really focused about raising awareness uh, of the need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the industry um, by measuring. Manage to measure is really a key critical component of our organizational philosophy. Um, and we're really focused on scale, uh, providing a scalable roadmap working towards that net zero target by 2050. So all members of IWCA are really, have all formally committed to these uh, higher arching goals. And as uh, at present, we are 10 uh, members strong. Uh, We represent 10 different members across six countries and four continents. And so these are the leading wineries in the world that are committed to taking action through measurement and collaborative uh, collaborative, um, conversation and action to reduce our emissions and uh, drive the industry forward on climate change. All three of the panelists, as I mentioned, uh, were uh, very early members. They all joined within the first um, uh, the first few months of when we established the organization and have been great contributors in our efforts and in our mission forward. And at a high level, um, any winery who wants to join IWCA um, essentially is bound by these four principles and these four requirements. So as I mentioned earlier, um, you need to commit to becoming net zero by 2050 across scopes one through three um, at the absolute latest in alignment with the United Nations Race to Zero campaign. You have to do the work of measuring your emissions footprints. So we use uh, the WRI GHG protocol and the ISO 14064 process, which are really the two gold standards in global greenhouse gas emissions and uh, accounting and reporting. Um, and then uh, moving beyond that, it's really focusing on, you know, going beyond the measurement to the actions. That we do. So looking at uh, increasing uh, on-site renewable production, and then taking a constant reduction of actual emissions reductions year over year as a result of this proactive ongoing. commitment. Those are the hallmarks that really Um, establish IWCA and have made it um, into the organization that it is today. And before we dive in, um, I did want to just call out one of the most important things um, that I think really kind of lends to the uh, enhanced credibility of IWCA as we move forward is our affiliation with the United Nations Race to Zero campaign. They reached out to us about a year ago with an invitation to join their kind of global working group, which is focused on decarbonizing the global economy. Um, And as of today, IWCA is the only representative of the food and agriculture space in the Race to Zero campaign. And we're incredibly active in our efforts in scaling our impact and our efforts in the run-up to COP26, which will be taking place in November in Glasgow. And on that note, For those of you who want to learn more about IWCA throughout the course of today and and in follow-up, our website is iwcawine.org. You can go on that website, you can find out more information, the uh, membership requirements are detailed there. And ultimately um, there's some forms you can fill out to follow up and we can have uh, further discussions as we move forward. So now I'm gonna stop my screen share and hopefully everything will open up to being able, you all being able to see uh, the panelists here. And I have a series of um, questions, high level questions that I'm asking of each panelist, which are really aimed on sparking kind of dialogue and discussion about the imperatives uh, for decarbonization and the need for us as an industry to lead. Um, so I'm gonna start really with, um, with the why, of why each of these wineries and why each of these companies is really taking a leadership role uh, in prioritizing climate action. And I wanted to ask each of the panelists really, what was that aha moment when they look back in their journey uh, towards climate action and decarbonization? What was that aha moment as an industry executive uh, that took you down this path? Uh, Mr. Torres, I'll start with you, sir.
2: Okay. Thank you, Julian. Well, um, I started many years ago, 2008 probably, and it was after seeing this movie uh, from Al Gore, An Inconvenient Truth. And I was shocked. You know, I was really uh, impressed by the, by the movie. And uh, I spoke to my wife shortly after, and I said, we got to do something. It's going to be terrible for our vineyards, which are so um, sensible to heat. So we have to, we have to act. Uh, well, at Torres said you know, the, the, the family accepted to invest in renewable energies. So we did in a few weeks afterwards. And we, um, we try to adapt also. I mean, one thing is to mitigate, but also you have to adapt to the new situation. So we were quickly to buy land uh, near the Pyrenees, you know, at a thousand meters of altitude, in order to, well, have uh, a little bit of cooler temperature. And then, of course, third, we've been trying to influence others. And that I have been, been doing that, especially uh, at least for 10 years in Spain with the Spanish Federation. I even was the president of the Spanish Federation until uh, one year ago. I tried to persuade, you know, my colleagues and my friends there to, to uh, well, to join a group that we were we were making in order to reduce emissions. But I got no answer. People were very much reluctant to invest. People were only interested in marketing aspects. Yeah, but what can I put in my bank level? How can I? How is that going to increase my sales? So I, I was you know, I was really uh, a bit uh, uh, shocked by that. It didn't work out. And then, you know, when the, when the Jackson uh, and us, we met immediately, we realized, you know, we, were, we had a common language and that we could uh, try to build up uh, together something.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Beth, I'll, I'll ask you that same question.
3: So for us, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, we've had an environmental ethic for a long time since we started farming organically in 1985. And, you know, the aha moment for us was the two harvests of we had 2002 and 2004, and both were very, very hot, particularly at the time of harvest. And we were having to bring in, try to bring in fruit quickly. Of course, it was out on the vine. It was not just hot, but it was it was dry and windy. And, and we're all about making wines with uh, structure and, and balance and elegance we we want ripe fruit we do not want over, overripe uh, shriveled fruit and so those years were it was very difficult to to make that happen because of how hot and dry it was at that time so those were two harvests and now that's you know almost 20 years ago oh, oh it's I can't believe how quickly time goes where we realize you know not only do not only are we in a hotter, drier future and are we looking at a hotter and drier future, but we need to be able to, we need to manage how we how we irrigate, we need to buy new equipment so that we can process our fruit more quickly so that we we don't have to leave fruit on the vine when it's hot and dry like that. So it was just this wake up where it's like, okay, we've been hearing about climate change and what it's going to bring to our industry, but it's we're not waiting for it, it's here. And of course, since then it's only gotten more and more apparent. So we that was that was our wake up moment that we really had an issue and that our hotter, drier future wasn't just coming, but that it was here.
1: Thank you, Beth and Barbara. How about you? What what led VSPT down this path?
4: Hi, hi to everyone. Uh, well, I guess I was born with an aha moment, but that's a very personal question, hi. and I assume I have to um, represent the company VSPT, our winery, and. I guess our aha uh-huh moment was more kind of the result of a process, um, a, a 13 years um, period of time where we tackled and where we committed to sustainability in a very serious way. And we have been, as Pat as, as mentioned before, we are facing and we're seeing how, how the threat is getting bigger, hotter, drier, Uh, So we need to to face this challenge and and we believe that we are are, are better prepared as a company to take bigger challenges, you know, to um, to embrace these challenges in a very serious way. So the moment comes together with being more mature and taking bigger decisions in order to um, manage the, the, the positive change.
1: Thank you, Barbara. Um, so when we talk about change, I mean, really what, what, we're, what we're talking at a high level is, is change management and, and needing to, you know, looking, at, looking at our businesses through a, a lens and recognizing that what you know, the current way is not working. Um, once you all recognize the need for change, how difficult was it to you know, begin to transition your respective organizations to really start actually implementing these changes? Miguel,
2: Well, I have to say in in my company, of course, family company, family owned company, and uh, only three brothers, the reaction was very positive immediately, you know, and they accepted that we invest every year, 11% of the profit, whenever there is profit, eh? not last year, of course. But uh, that we have done, that, you know, has been uh, uh, making possible for us to invest in renewable energies. Uh, to continue to buy land in cooler climates, and um, be prepared to be prepared to well to improve year after year. Last year we went up to 34 percent, 34 percent reduction in our carbon footprint, and which just established this week, this past week with uh, okay. Mr. Rivers, a new target for 2030 is going to be 60 percent at least. I insist that we should be reaching 70%, but okay, they say 60% is for sure. Why is that possible? Because 80% of our, uh, of our carbon footprint, as you know, mostly comes from our suppliers, uh, scope number three suppliers, of course, logistics and all yeah. that. And we are finding more and more, you know, a very good will of our suppliers to help us. Like uh, I can mention a glass manufacturer, most important in Spain. This year they say they're gonna switch uh, from gas to uh, green energy. Okay. Green energy. So that is going to reduce the carbon footprint. And we are um, we see other 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 suppliers. We give them awards every year. There is a Torres and Earth Award, we give you know to the to the best suppliers. But there are also new ideas coming, like regenerative agriculture, Okay, this is going to help us maybe to reduce 2%, 3% extra. Uh, our carbon footprint, and we, are, we have plenty of new ideas that, that, that we could do. In our company, at fermentation time, harvest time, we send up to the troposphere 2,000 tons of carbon dioxide. This is crazy. We should stop that. We should be able, all the wine people, to find ideas to store this CO2, store or uh, make it in carbonate, whatever you whatever do, you know. Because that could be a very good example for the for the rest of the world.
1: Thank you, uh, Beth.
3: So you know, for for us, it was we're a small company um, and a relatively small company to to all of the others here, to the other two here. And for us, you know, it's just again been part of our ethos to be uh, environmental, and so bringing about change here has been has been really. Easy. I mean, I, it's, and it's been wonderful because my whole team uh, sup- not only supports, but embraces it. So, you know, we've, we've had, we're fully solar powered. We put solar panels on in, in 2007. We've been part of 1% uh, for the planet where we've been giving 1% of our uh, annual revenue to environmental um, initiatives every year since 07. Uh, we have insectaries. We've been creating biodiversity in our vineyard. Uh, we've been working on different. You know, we've been replacing old equipment. I mean, we've just on our own before even IWCA. Uh, we have been doing everything that we can to decarbonize, and and now what's wonderful with IWCA is that we're we're actually measuring our emissions, and we will have a baseline with our 2019 emissions. We we've measured in both 18 and 19, with 20 yet to come, and we'll have a baseline and. We're really working on, uh, just as Miguel was speaking, to how, how we're gonna even bring our emissions down further. I mean, as a company, ours are relatively low, because again, we're, we're relatively small, and yet we want to to meet and, and go over our targets. And ideally, I want to be, we all, I think here, want to be serving as examples of what can be done, leading by example and inspiring others to do the same, because our agriculturally based businesses rely on a relatively stable climate to survive. It's not, this is not just about, I mean, I'm a deep environmentalist, but this is not just about being a deep environmentalist. It's also about business survival um, when we are agriculturally based. And we're only second generation here at Spotswood. We're, we're the youngest uh, here as well in terms of of how long we've existed, but I hope to pass this on to future generations. That's my ambition. And so it, it used to be that I viewed, you know, estate planning and family as, as probably our greatest challenge. And now I view climate change as our greatest challenge. So we're deeply invested in doing everything we can to for our natural environment. And thankfully, um, my team is fully on board and it's been relatively easy to implement and we just keep doing more and more and IWCA has been a great catalyst to help us even do better.
1: Thank you, Beth. Uh, Barbara?
4: Yeah, hi. Um, so I, I'd like to separate the, the past challenges we have faced with the ones we have today. Um, I'd say that the past challenges were kind of um Hesita- um, involved with hesitation whether climate change was something um, that was related to carbon emissions and and, and you know the, even if scientific da- data was there there was still some cultural hesitation within the wine industry at least here in Chile and, and I guess um, in, in other pla- uh, places of the world as well so um, you know, uh, getting everyone involved into this and into really tackling this and addressing this challenge uh, in a very collaborative way and um, being um, absolutely confident that this is, was the way to go was one of the main past challenges. And I'd say that the challenge we're facing today is has more to do with, um, as Miguel mentioned before, having this conversation with, with the whole productive chain, uh, where suppliers and bottle suppliers, transport, everyone needs to, uh, to, to, to jump into this agenda, common agenda, or, um, and, and start having common goals, because otherwise, uh, we, it's going to be just uh, you know, uh, uh, a nice goal or a nice uh, ambition of, of us. But we need to ha- have everyone involved in our productive chain into this commitment. And I guess that's one of the main challenges we're going to face in the next years.
1: Well, I, I want to transition from there because I think um, you know the understanding of the of the need to change and the recognizing the recognition of how we kind of transition our our organizations is one thing. Um, paying for it is an entirely different uh, question, and I think it's one in which. Um, it, it tends to be a sticking point for organizations, both large and small. Um, I, I'd be very interested in hearing from from all of you. Um, you know what what types of return on investment you have all seen uh, as a result of your your climate related initiatives. Uh, Miguel,
2: yeah, could you repeat that question again, Julian?
1: Yeah. Um, what, what are you seeing in terms of uh, return on investment associated with your climate initiatives? Um, I think, you know, you, you had mentioned, um, right. you know, the, 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 the fact that you reinvest 11% of your profits uh, in your climate efforts. Are you actually seeing that those that that reinvestment is paying for itself uh, in terms of, of, of the efforts that you're taking?
2: Well, you know, uh, we, we've seen uh, in the last uh, two or three years a reaction, a positive reaction from the buyers eh? change like Tesco in England, uh, uh in Holland, uh, no. in, Holland, in, in Germany. Well, you know, many of these uh, big buyers, supermarkets, they were interested. We had, uh, you know, video conference with them, uh, and the, some of them they even managed to visit us. So we see there is on their side there is an interest, uh, that means, you know, that they know that their customers are beginning to wonder about this as well. But if your question is, if we see an increase in the sales because of that, the answer still has to be negative. We don't see a, a positive reaction a reaction on the on the consumer. So maybe it's going to take a, li- a little more time or maybe, you know, our marketing is not efficient enough to, uh, to explain this to the final consumers. And I think, in that sense, IWCA can be a good help. The more we all together talk about uh, our organization, the more it's going to help everybody.
1: And what about on the um, and maybe for for Beth or Barbara? Um, have you seen any any kind of any um, any returns in terms of you know investments in, in renewables or or other other actions that that are really kind of helping? To reduce your emissions footprint
3: you know for, no, for know. Our, we we haven't quantified necessarily um, what is our what is our return on investment because my question back to you would be what is the cost to not act right that would be my question we we can't afford not to act so we haven't necessarily quantified it what I can certainly say is that our ability to bring in our fruit more quickly the investments that we've made in in processing our fruit so that You know, we can, we don't have to declassify as much more of that can go into Spotswood as opposed to being um, declassified. That's, that's been a very important piece. But again, as far as quantifying, certainly our solar by now, we, we installed it in 07 and here at the winery and in the vineyard that has more than paid for itself. And we've added more since then Um, for me, again, I'll just come back to uh, the, the cost of not acting is higher than any investment we could make right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Barbara, anything, to add?
4: Yeah, no, I totally agree with both of you, and I'd say, I mean, we have uh, we have calculated that we uh, we have been, I mean, we've been able to reduce our fixed cost, our electric energy, ele- um, electric cost by five percent through renewable energy. You know, we we are um, biodigesting, um the the whole 100% of our harvest waste, uh, which results to both electric and thermal energy. And we're we're seeing um, saves and costs. And and when it comes to the consumer, um, if this is paying back uh, or not, well, um, I agree with what you said before. I mean, it's at the consumer level, we're not that sure that the the consumer is actually Um, taken um, its buying decision in a very conscious way, the way we would like to, but we are seeing that this trend is actually increasing and we're hoping that this is is, is going going to change. And and I guess COVID is helping in this scenario as well. Um, From the buyer's perspective, the trade, uh, I totally agree with Miguel, that this is something that uh, is, is, is gaining much more importance and, and, and from a more organizational perspective, I'd say it hundred, it, it, it pays, I mean, it, it has a huge payback uh, because um, your organization, the winery and the people within the, the team, your team and, and, and everyone that belongs to the winery uh, is so much more involved and engaged and happy with the organization and that it, 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 it totally shows an, 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 a, a, a positive uh, effect.
1: Great. Thank you. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, given that that everybody uh, on this panel has undergone a pretty extensive um, emissions inventory um, for their, their organizations really as a prerequisite for joining and, and, and membership in IWCA. And we'll touch on this. Uh, we're going to go a lot deeper on this in the second session uh, as we kind of get into some of the some of the practices that uh, that, that we're seeing towards decarbonize, uh, decarbonization. But I'd be interested in hearing from each of you as to what, what was surprising uh, for each of you as you really kind of started to dive into and take a deeper look at your emissions inventories as a result of that first uh, greenhouse gas emissions assessment that you all did for each of your wineries. What were, what were the things that jumped out that, that really surprised you in understanding like, wow, that has a, a really pretty large impact on missions footprint. Uh, anything in particular that was surprising there? Mm. Uh, Miguel, I'll start with you.
2: Well, you know, I think everything counts. Uh, uh, photovoltaic panels, uh, you know, is a good help. Uh, biomass as well, you know, using all the POMAS, all the premium material and so forth. Now we see with um, vitico, regenerative culture, which is also some some prospects for the future. And now we have decided that we are going to, to incorporate charcoal. Uh, in other words, uh, the, the, the material from, from the printing is going to be transformed in, in coal, in charcoal, and this will be then, you know, uh, put under the earth to store the carbon there for several hundred years. No? So all, all this, you know, can, can help. And uh, the thing we are investing the most today is in the planting of a forest in Patagonia. We have a state there of uh, 6,000 hectares uh, and um, 4,000 are going to be planted in the next 10 years. And we hope to reach uh, two, uh, 2 million trees. So that will be, a, you know, our contribution. And it's a very nice a story because, you know, in the 19th century, this was all a forest. And when immigration arrived to, to Chile, especially German immigration, they, uh, everything was set in fire because they didn't have land to grow their own products. You know? So Patagonia was burning for several decades. And well, today we are trying to, you know, in a smaller scale, trying to get back the forest there. It's nice feeling.
1: Beth, anything surprising with your inventory?
3: I think probably I don't know if it was surprising, but um, you know what's what's most contributory from our from our Spotswood would is that we sell a lot of our wine direct to consumer, and so shipping our wine direct to consumer. When you think that you take a case of of wine and you uh, package it in in non styrofoam packaging, of course, because we don't use styrofoam, but you package it and you put it, and FedEx picks it up, and it carries it on a plane and it delivers it to a customer. So that that amount, the emissions just to transport our wine because of our direct-to-consumer sales, which is a very important part of our of our business model as a small winery, um, is extremely high. So we're we're working on that. I mean as opposed to there's a company called Vine Vault that we're working with and there are others that are doing this that will be able to pick up our wines in original packaging take them to via refrigerated truck. Now, of course, there's still emissions there, but it's a lot of cases that go then to one location. And then from there, they can deliver them by refrigerated van to the individual consumers, thereby getting rid of the need for the single use shippers and shipment via FedEx and the air transport. Um, So we are working on that. um, And that is something that we're working, we're gonna be working very closely with Vineville on so I think that was one um, for sure. Of course, glass weight is another. Business travel is a big one that we all, I think, need to rethink. And I think, you know, if you want to look at the benefits that have come from the pandemic that we've all been through and that we're still emerging from, the fact is we don't need to travel as much as, as we did. And I personally, and in our company, I'm going to just, we are not going to travel for business as much as we as we once did, we, we need to all decarbonize and reduce our, our footprint, and travel is a, is a big part of that. Every time you climb on a plane to go somewhere, you're, you're burning a lot of fuel. And so we are all going to need to be significantly more thoughtful um, about traveling, yes, when we need to, but traveling, you know, if you're in Europe, gosh, you can take trains everywhere, which I prefer anyway but traveling in a much more intelligent and sensitive uh, and thoughtful manner. So those were our takeaways.
1: And Barbara, how about for VSPT?
2: Hi, Um,
4: so I guess more than a surprise was uh, one of the findings with this inventory was to confirm that we need to, I mean that there are three major priorities that we need to address. First one is the eradication of fossil fuels uh, in our entire productive chain, let's say from Vineyard until final destination uh, and where we have to, again, have a collabor- collaborative, I don't know, a joint again agenda with our suppliers. The second one, our second finding is how how big the packaging footprint is, um, where glass is one of our main materials, and we love glass because it's highly recyclable. However, it's too heavy, and and we we really need to um, somehow teach or get a more conscious um consumer when buying wine in a heavier bottle doesn't mean better wine um, and 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 we have a role here um, and the third thing is the use of um i believe this is a thing we have to tackle as an industry well fertilizers whatever and they have a, a, a high footprint as well and we need to learn how to have a more balanced uh, agricultural vision and management, I guess those are the three things that we have put in uh, as part of our priorities when tackling carbon uh, decarbonization of our industry.
1: Great, and I, and I think as, as you will all see in, in the next session, um, there are a lot of similarities, I think, um, regional and global uh, across the industry as far as what is driving Our emissions footprint. We'll be taking a deeper dive into what those are and what are some of the the mitigative uh, efforts that we can all take. Um, In the last few minutes that we have with the panelists before we open up to uh, Q and A, and I've seen some really good questions coming through the chat, so we'll uh, plan on addressing some of those in a few moments. Um, But just in the last few minutes, I'd I I would I'd like to ask uh, each of the panelists an individual question. Barbara, I'll I'll, I'll start with you um, as to really, from your perspective, um, what what is the wine industry's role in being a vocal um, voice and advocate for change in the industry? What makes us unique in this this work?
4: Well, in my opinion, I guess, as as Beth mentioned before, we are. Business and heart is based on mother nature, you know, we depend on mother nature, on climate, on terroir. And, and the threat uh, is huge in this sense. I mean, the, the keeping sustainable, our business sustainable uh, is, a, is a major challenge. So I guess one of our roles is, is, is to really um, face the reality that no one is going to be able to move the, the needle by himself. We need to act together. We need to join forces. We need to be collaborative. We need to create more associations. And I want to thank, in this instance, uh, Mr. Torres, Mr. Miguel, Miguelito, for this uh, great thing, uh, great um, uh, opportunity you have given us uh, by joining uh, IWCA. So um, our role is to to lead by example and, and, and to show others that this, This challenge can be um, taken and hopefully it also achieved uh, by joining forces, by acting together uh, and and stay positive, you know, stay positive and inspire others. I guess that's one of our main roles. And the other one is, of course, to share knowledge, find for new uh, solutions together or find new solutions together and share good practices. Thank you
1: um beth this was touched on a, a little bit um by miguel in, in his earlier remarks but i wanted to ask you specifically um because you know so much of spotswood uh spotswood sales are are direct to consumer um what what opportunities do you see that we have in the industry to speak directly to to our consumers and, and how does that that set us apart um in our in our effort to to move towards decarbonization
3: so I, I see that we have an incredible opportunity, and and I also view it as a responsibility. If you think of our consumers, really they they people who buy our wines, whether it's Torres, whether it's Spotswood, whether it's whether it's your wines, Barbara, you know they are of a demographic that they can, in general, um, afford to think about this and also afford, uh, if you will, to move the needle and. I've always looked at Yvonne Chouinard from Patagonia, the company, the clothing company um, as, as my hero. I, I think he's remarkable. He spoke once here about 10 years ago to a group of women that we had here from Bordeaux. And, um, and I've, I've been a long time sort of acolyte, if you will. I think what he's done is remarkable. So I feel like we have, yeah, not just an opportunity but a responsibility to, to communicate to our customers. We do sell a lot of our wine um, direct to consumer, as I mentioned just prior. And so we have an annual newsletter that we send out each year to all of our customers. And we we speak to our environmental ethic and to what we're doing. Um, we so and and that doesn't just go to our direct consumers but it also goes to our distributors in in the us it goes to our our importers around the world um and so it has a fairly broad reach of course our website now we have a one earth section we call it and it speaks to all of our environmental initiatives and what we're doing so you know, we have this decade to act. I mean, I just got done reading. I, I do it on Audible because I'm pretty bouncy and it's good for me to be able to walk and read at the same time. And um, it's a book called Under the Sky We Make uh, by Kimberly Nicholas. And I was absolutely taken by that. And I actually am going to be reaching out to her. I found out how to get a hold of her. She's from Sonoma, it turns out. And really, I want to give, I want to buy a lot of copies of this book and give them out as gifts to our top customers, to our top. Distributors and importers, because we have to inspire change. We we don't have a choice. We cannot wait. Uh, the time is now uh, for us to to act. Um, and so again, to to say to mirror what Barbara said, I'm I'm thrilled with the opportunity that both Torres uh, and Jackson family have offered us to come together as IWCA. I want to take it further because I, I really want to inspire change. And again, I view I view what Patagonia does every single day as an example of, of speaking our, our truth.
1: Thank you, Beth. And Miguel, final word from you. Um, there's, there's been obviously an increased interest, I think, in, um, in climate impacts, uh, not just in the wine industry, but globally, uh, particularly over the last five years. Um, as a, a founding member of IWCA, um, how do you see IWCA's role in really kind of um, leading the conversation for the wine industry? And what sets this organization apart in your mind?
2: Well, as, as uh, Beth was saying, we have to be very open to uh, books, uh, whatever, you know, uh, meetings, symposiums, whatever talks about climate change and consequences of viticulture. We have to absorb all this information and that, we do with my small team here in the company. I manage the sustainability department. I don't manage the company anymore. That's my my son, no? my son and my my daughter. But uh, there are many, you know, new ideas coming that we can put at work. We can, at least we can experiment. We are now waiting for uh, electric tractors. Electric tractors. I know you have them already in California. My sister is getting one in Sonoma. I think in the fall we're getting next year some of these tractors. That is going to be a big help to reduce emissions of our tractors in the organic vineyards. As, as you all know, in the organic vineyards, we have to spray the sulfur or whatever, once a week, almost. That means, uh, at least here in Europe, no, because we don't have uh, dry summers like you, you may have in California. So that means, you know, there is a lot of more emissions. And with electric tractors, we hope we can compensate that, right? To so make organic viticulture uh you know, a little better. And especially also, we, we hope also to reduce further the use of the copper, copper, uh, probably, you know, with, uh, with some uh, graminies we can plant that can absorb the copper. And also for alternative products that my daughter Mireya is experimenting with, we hope to be able to reduce uh, copper because copper at the end of the day is toxic for the soils, we all know that. So we have to try to see a, a replacement. And finally, you know, there is hydrogen coming. Let's hope hydrogen becomes a reality, a practical reality, and that in the near future, at least, you know, trucks can be, can be using hydrogen instead of uh, oil. That could be fantastic.
1: Great, thank you. And I think um, as we start to, to, to dive deep deeper in our next session, I think we'll be speaking about some of these, uh, some of these efforts as well. Um, I want to turn to a few of the uh, questions that have come up in the chat, and a few of these were answered already, um, but uh, some specifically that I did want to address in the last few minutes that we have. Uh, An initial question came in from Marcus um, as to whether um, uh, IWCA and SBTI have a relationship. And at this point, uh, there is not a formal relationship between IWCA and SBTI, um, although we kind of have really developed our program around the guidance that SBTI has published. And as you'll see in the next session, um, we have built out the IWCA GHG calculator, which is going to be released um, at at that session uh, in accordance with the SBTI standards across scopes one through three. Um, So that went through a very robust um, round of, um, a very robust process. And we're really excited to share that with all of you shortly. Um, Pam had asked a question about um, how carbon reduction efforts are subsidized by government programs, and, and she pointed to, I think, a really uh, a good program in California, um, and I think the U.S. federal government as well has some some tax incentives um, for helping wineries um, and, and businesses in general invest in on-site renewable energy systems, which I know. Um, Jackson Family Alliance has certainly taken advantage of and have really driven the ROI of a lot of our climate investments. Um, But I'd be interested uh, to to know if there are any similar programs in either Spain or or Chile that are really kind of helping, um, you know, where governments really put skin in the game to help um, business and industry uh, decarbonize. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, uh, I can can answer that, that question if you like because uh, in Spain, we are very proud of, you know, being a member of the European Union. And I think the European Union is leading the way uh, in the world for uh, for emission reduction. And so this year we're starting, hopefully this year, to get help from the European Union in two aspects, digitalization and the other, uh, everything related to climate change. So we've made already, you know, a lot of, uh, we have seen a big, big, uh, you know, List of wishes, including uh, two more megawatts of renewable energies, including more electric cars and things like that. You know, so this is going, it's going to be very positive for us. So yeah, thank, you.
4: thank you. When it comes, to, yeah, when it comes to Chile, uh, unfortunately, we do not have financial benefits or tax benefits yet. But um, but I'm very positive it will change and also important to public sector uh, commitment uh, we hope to see changes in this scenario too
1: well, thank you and I think that the last question that I'll take because I know that we have we are at time but I think it's a really good question to end on um, submitted by Philip um, and it's a question um, for me so I'm happy to answer it um, is really asking of how IWCA um, really sees uh, achieving scale within our industry. I mean, I think that's really the, the primary reason for being for IWCA is that uh, all of us have come together and we recognize that our collective voice is significantly more impactful than any individual organization's voice. And I think is evidenced by the fact that we have so many. Um, you know, trade and retail partners and other kind of um, scientific and and other partners on on this call. Um, It really, I think it it emphasizes for me personally um, that we can aggregate our voice and we can really be a distinct leader um, for change. And by sharing information, by sharing challenges, by identifying kind of these common issues that we have uh, as an industry, I think we can work collaboratively and we can work collectively to to really start making meaningful change. And we can do it in a way that is um, pre-competitive. We can do it in a way that is collaborative. We can do it in a way in which we are not necessarily, you know, pitting one organization against an industry. And we can kind of work. I think we can work in a, in a very, you know, collective space to, to move the needle on on um, what I think we all agree is the is major issue um, of our time, not just for um, viticulture, not just for wine, but for the entire global economy. And wine really has an opportunity to be the leading voice in that space. And um, so on that note, I wanna thank all of the panelists for their time. I wanna thank the audience for their questions. I wanna to thank Toby and Tom for helping uh, organize this initial session. And um, we are gonna break for 10 minutes And then we will start our second session, which really focuses on practical applications of of what we can do and uh, and how we can enhance our measurements through this uh, new GHG uh, measurement tool that we're going to be unveiling shortly.